Hustle culture is cute in theory, but eventually it leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment. Then again, as enticing as it sounds to sit in meditation for years as a monk, abandoning Western culture altogether is not really an option for most of us. So where is the in-between? I like to think of it as a world where dreaming big and living slow coexist. I'm Tia, host of Dream Big Live Slow, a podcast for entrepreneurs like myself seeking a life of soul-filled work that still allows time for those slow moments that make us feel the most alive. Join me as we break down realistic mindfulness tools used by real entrepreneurs working towards a life of both dreaming big and living slow. Also, be sure to check out the end of every solo cast episode for free guided meditations. All right, let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I am beyond excited to have Kate Eskery here from the Foundation blog. She is so full of wisdom, and I can't wait to ask her all the questions about dreaming big, living slow. Kate is a registered nurse, and she has a doctorate in integrative health, and she is a holistic health coach. And the Foundation blog, she's going to tell you more about it, but it's A Woman's Guide to All Things Slow Living, Integrative Health, Holistic Self-Care. I just can't wait to talk about all the things. Kate, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so excited to chat today. Kate, let's just start. Can you tell everyone who you are and a little bit about your journey to, I mean, you do, you're a multi-passionate woman, clearly, (laughs) and you do a lot of things. So how did you get into the holistic health world and also what led you to start the foundation block? Yes. So it has been a wild ride, I will say. So for me, I never really felt like a certain clarity in what I wanted to do. I was always a really hard worker, a really good student, but I didn't have that like one thing that I was working for. But I knew I liked science and I liked people. And so I went into nursing. And to me, nursing just really was not what I envisioned. Like in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to help people be healthier and eat better and feel good in their skin and, you know, be active. And like, I pictured a very proactive vision in my head. And in reality, it ended up being a lot more reactive in medicine. Like I felt like I was just giving people, you know, a pill or only seeing them when it was too late. Like they were already sick. They already had a chronic condition. And so I was in this career where like, wait, I just worked so hard to get here. And I don't really feel like I'm in my strengths. Like Mm. I think, you know, reactive medicine, I don't want to keep calling it reactive medicine, but the traditional model of medicine where people go to a hospital and get treated is so important. And I respect it in so many ways, but it's just not my skill set. I'm much more about, all right, let's address something early and do what we can naturally and do what we can lifestyle wise to get ahead of it. And so it was just a little confusing because I liked the science of nursing, but I just didn't feel like I was fulfilling my role. And so it took just kind of like some honesty where you feel like you've worked so hard to get somewhere and then you look around and you're like, I don't even know if I want to be here. And so for me, it was just kind of about finding the route of nursing that worked best for me and my skills and interests. And so for me, 
I found a doctorate program in integrative health. And that was obviously a huge leap, like three years, grad school, doctorate, clinical research. But I just saw it and I was like, this is me as a healthcare provider. Like, I love the science. I love the research, but I love to start with the natural route. And like, especially, you know, in the online space, I feel like natural and alternative and holistic medicine can get a bad rep because it's often shared really recklessly and irresponsibly. And I'm like, I know how to read the data and research and share it in a way that's responsible. And that kind of led to the foundation blog where my main hope was just to teach people about natural remedies and holistic health in a way that was responsible, evidence-backed, science-based, and realistic. You know, I feel like so many holistic health things are like, I wake up in the morning and I meditate for an hour and then I have my reishi cacao. And it's just Mm -hmm. so dramatic and like time consuming. And as a normal person, I'm like, I don't have time for that. But I do have time for like a 15 minute micro mini morning routine that helps set my intention. So for me, it was really about creating a space online that shared holistic health information responsibly but in a way that was realistic and people could actually use. So three years in, I'm still running it. I still also have like a real job, which we can maybe talk about too. So I work as a health coach for a large organization. And then the foundation blog is on the side, but it's definitely like my main passion. So that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. Okay, I have so many questions out of that. But I'm most curious on kind of setting or wanting to kind of set the tone of like, why is your approach different? You touched on that a little bit, but what are some of the, like, when you say it's like quick and accessible and um, micro routines, I guess, what do you mean by that? What does your routine look like? And how do you make it accessible for the busy entrepreneur or someone who thinks they don't have any time to care for their body or their mind? Oh, those are like my favorite people to work with because I feel like with health, it's easy to fall into the all or nothing trap where either you're meal prepping these beautiful veggie filled meals and you're working out two hours a day and you're going to hot yoga. It feels very all or nothing. Either you're doing all of those things or I'm not doing enough. I'm not reaching the bar. I you know, I only got a 20 minute walk in today on my lunch break, or I meal prepped three days of the week, but I ate out the other days. That's kind of where I try to help people thrive is like, look, we don't need to do everything right. We just need to do the small things with consistency. So things like hydrating and getting good sleep and, you know, eating nourishing meals most of the time, you know, but I believe in the gray area. I'm not a rigid person. I'm not going to tell you this is what the definition of health looks like for me. So this is what it has to look like for you. I think we all have our own definition of what a healthy nourishing life looks like and feels like. And so for me, I just try to help people identify the few small things in their day that help them feel their healthiest. So for me, I love movement. I genuinely love it. And that's something I pretty much do every day. But for some people, maybe the thing that really fills their cup is journaling or a phone call with their mom or a lunch break walk with a friend. That is health to me. It's just about actually doing it. So it's kind of like identifying the small things that are important to you and then committing to them and being okay if it's not an hour long or if it doesn't look a certain way. 
but just consistency, consistency. Like I'm kind of an old school person in the health world where I'm not going to tell you about quick fixes. I'm not going to talk about celery juice. I'm not going (laughs) to talk about this one kind of, you know, new herb that will solve all your problems. I'm more so like, okay, let's address the basics. How are you sleeping? How are you managing stress? How are you Mm. hydrating? How are you moving your body? How are you eating? And you know, I just try to really break it down. That's why I call it the foundation blog. I really believe in focusing on your foundation first and then doing those small things consistently, even if it's not a lot of time, even if it doesn't look a certain way. And then from there, we can build up to the more, you know, elaborate health practices, if you will. That's amazing. I love all of that so much because it feels so much more manageable and you know, realistic for those who don't believe they have time. Do you have any little tips or tricks or ways that you have found motivation to build these habits and build consistency? Because consistency is sometimes easier said than done, I feel like. A hundred percent. Yes. So I think for me, one thing I love is habit stacking. So I did Mm. not invent this. I actually have no clue where it is and I should probably learn. But basically the idea of habit stacking is you take like, say a new habit you want to do. So say you're someone that's like, okay, I want to be better about taking my vitamins. I always forget. I know I should take them, but it always slips my mind. Totally fine. I am kind of bad at taking my supplements too. So for me, I stack the new habit. So taking my supplements is the new thing I want to do. And I stack it onto something I already do every day. So for me, I love coffee. As you can see, as we're recording this, I'm like sipping my coffee. Every single day when I sip my coffee, I have my supplements right there and I take them. So you stack the new habit onto something you already do and you attach it to something. So when you make your bed, you could do 10 air squats if you're trying to work out more. You know, when you brush your teeth, you could listen to a meditation. You know, it's like you attach these small things onto something you already do until it's second nature and it just becomes part of your routine. I feel like that is something that works for a lot of entrepreneurs because your schedules are variable. They're all over the place. So it's hard to like schedule in, okay, I'm going to work out every day at noon because you don't know what your schedule will look like. But instead it's like, okay, every day when I get off work, I'm going to work out or every day when I make my coffee, that's when I'm going to do my meditation. Mm. Like finding the kind of anchor points in your day that even if your day looks different every day, what are the habits that you do every day? And then attaching the new mini habit onto that. Is that helpful? Yes. That's so powerful. So powerful. Again, I just love your approach because it feels more doable, more realistic. What's coming to mind when you're sharing is the connection to, I mean, you're doing all of this for your body is what it seems like, but the impact that it has on your mind and your mental health. Can you talk a little bit about that mind-body connection and how you've seen it maybe just through your personal experience or even your clients or the people you work with? Oh my gosh. Yes. I 100% believe in the mind-body connection, how we feel mentally impacts how we feel physically, how we feel physically impacts how we feel mentally you know, I think the biggest area I see this is stress. So, you know, we think of stress as an emotion, a feeling, a mental health state, but stress 
it reacts physically in the body. It raises our cortisol, it raises our blood pressure, it raises our blood sugar. It has so many physiological impacts. And so, for example, yesterday, a health coaching client of mine, you know, he's been working really hard on getting his blood sugar down. And he's like, I don't know, I'm eating. He's been doing a great job. He's like, I'm eating the same great things. I'm still, you know, being low carb in this way. I'm still getting my workouts in, but my sugars keep going up and I don't know what's going on. And we're kind of like, you know, going back and forth and talking about the obvious things. And then I'm like, well, when did you, you know, notice that your sugar started rising? And he's like, uh, probably end of November, you know. So you're thinking holidays, you're thinking all these things. And then I'm like, well, have you had any stress in your life? And he's like, yeah, I started a new job at the end of November and I'm in a manager role now. And it's been very overwhelming. They haven't completely filled my old job. So I'm still doing some of that stuff. And it's like stress impacts. You know, I was like stress. I'm not saying that's the cause, but it really seems to coincide. And Mm. for him, he's like, that feels so right. Cause the only thing that's changed in my life is that kind of stressful feeling. So that's kind of a very specific example, but it was literally yesterday. But I do just think, you know, when we're not feeling our best mentally, it's hard to show up for ourselves physically. And when we're not showing up for ourselves physically, it's hard to feel our best selves mentally. So it can feel like we're in this loop where we're kind of stuck. But I think it just comes down to doing one small thing, you know, picking the one thing for you that you feel like helps either if you're stuck physically or if you're stuck mentally, what is one small thing that you're like, you know what? I know that helps me. I know that helps me feel better just to commit to that. And, you know, once that's more in a routine, then you can add another small thing if you want, but just don't let yourself get stuck in that loop. Whether that thing you need to do to break it is scheduling appointment with your therapist, or if it's something as small as, you know, I need to be better about meditating, or I feel so much better when I get outside for my walk in the day. Find the one thing, commit to it, and then break that cycle. That's so good. That's so good. One small thing is so much more manageable. Again, I think you're right that it's an all or nothing approach a lot of the time. I see it in myself so much of if I'm not walking 10,000 steps, then what's the point of going on a walk? You know, things like that. But yeah, I think so many small business owners, especially, I mean, we're driven people. And so it's like, well, what's the point of doing something if I'm not going to do it to the nth degree? So I think for entrepreneurs, I often see that they prioritize their business and getting back to their clients and managing their email inbox and all these things. But it's hardest And this is a generalization, but for them to prioritize themselves and their health, because it kind of feels like, well, I got better things to do. And so I get that. Like, I literally will be like, I do not have time to do that workout. Like, I need to get this blog post up or whatever. And it's just about taking a step back and being like, if I am not feeling healthy and vibrant, that impacts my business. I think we don't think about that enough that... Mm. Our health impacts every area of our life. When we have energy and vitality and a good mood, it impacts our marriage. It impacts how we show up. It impacts how much we get done. Like if I eat crappy food on a weekend, it's like I literally do have less energy on a Monday. I get less done. That impacts my business. So if you're an entrepreneur that's like, oh, it's just not worth it time-wise to invest in my health, 
Think about the return on investment when you invest in your health and you feel better and you feel more energetic and can show up fully for your work in a way that boosts productivity and how you serve your clients and how you show up. That's so good. So good. Yeah. What came to mind when you were talking about stress levels too is I think people sometimes forget that stress is a huge part of your overall health, managing stress. I am currently in grad school for mindfulness studies and I'm a meditation coach. (laughs) Yeah. So I am learning a lot about, you know, stress and the impact that breathing and stress reduction can have on your overall mental health. And what comes to mind as part of the whole idea of Dream Big Live Slow was exploring ways that we can create slowness in our lives when we can't necessarily like pull things off our calendar. And so that was what was coming to mind was just how do we create slowness mentally? Can you talk a little bit about your experience with meditation or with even creating slowness in general when you are such a busy person or passionate person trying to also achieve dreams, so to speak? Oh my gosh. I love that phrase, creating slow, because I do feel like so often when you talk about you know meditation or being present or slowing down, people are like, I don't got time. I do not have time for that. You know, and I feel that way too. But it's just about like carving out the space or approaching how you do things. It might not necessarily take longer or shorter. It's just your mindset behind it. So one of the biggest ways I feel like I create slow in my life, and this is the struggle for me. Like I am a busy bee. I'm working full time. I'm teaching part time at a university. I have a side business. I just overload my calendar. And in 2021, I totally reached a point of just like, what am I doing? I'm working so hard all the time to just work harder, to just reach the next thing. And so for me, 2022 really is about creating slowness. I love that phrase. It just is about still having big goals, still doing big things, but just in a less rushed, less hurried, less pressured way. Mm. And so one thing for me, I have a few ideas that kind of came to mind, but one thing that I do often, and this might be my Enneagram type seven, where I just try to like optimize things and make it the best experience. But I just ask myself, like, what would this look like if it were easy? And so like, if I have responsibility on my plate, say I have to like run errands or you know, we'll use running errands. I hate running errands. I think it's like the most annoying task. I feel like it wastes time, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to brew a cup of my favorite tea before I go. I'm going to put on a podcast for the drive that I've been dying to listen to. And, you know, I'm going to clean my car out before. So it feels good in there. And just like, what would it look like if it were easy? If I'm writing a blog post, I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to, again, make some tea. I'm going to listen to my favorite playlist and just like, optimizing it, like even though I have to do something, making it a richer, more calming, more beautiful experience. That is one way I feel like I create slowness. And another way, my mom is a big meditator. She's taken so many courses and she exempl- like she radiates living slowly and just being present. And she's been a really good person for me. But one thing I also hate doing, I feel like I'm like, I hate this. I hate, this. <laughs> I hate doing laundry. I hate doing laundry. Any other household task, lay it on me, but I hate doing laundry. I don't mind washing it. I don't mind drying it. Putting it away takes me five to seven business days. I am also a type seven. Oh. 
I'm also an Enneagram okay. 7. And it's so funny because I hate running errands. I hate folding and putting away laundry. So I get it. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So I asked my mom, I'm like, what is the chore you hate? I don't know. That was such a random question. I'm just like, what is the thing around the house that you're like, I'll wash dishes all day. I'll dust all day, but I hate doing blank. And she's like, honestly, I used to really hate like laundry or, you know, vacuuming. And she's like, then I just tried to make it like a mindfulness experiment. Like she's like, I just try to be really present when I'm folding the clothes, the, the heat of them out of the dryer, the smell of the detergent you know, hanging them up, like just trying to be present for it. And she's like, it doesn't take any more time, but she's like, I just feel like it's not a stressful burden. It's just something I'm doing and I'm present to it. And I'm like, ah, the moms are always right. So I've been trying to just like, even if something is a tap, like a task that I don't want to do, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my God, I love laundry. But I think just even bringing like when you're chopping vegetables for dinner, like, oh my gosh, the smell of the Mm. green pepper or the look of the seeds inside or, you know, the smell of the olive oil roasting with the garlic, like just being present to an everyday event. Like, oh, you could be like, yep, I'm making dinner. Same old, same old, have to make dinner. Or you could be like, oh my gosh, it smells so good. I'm excited to nourish my body. You know, I think... It's easier said than done. I don't want to sound like Pollyanna, but I do think the moment you start noticing the good and really tuning into the moment, even if it's not a pleasant task, that's when the magic happens. Yes. So good. It really reminds me of the importance of engaging all of the senses in your day-to-day life and really our senses Our body is where we bring in presence. We come back to the moment. And it reminds me a lot of what I'm learning right now in my master's program, which is how monks, there's a lot of reference and pointing to how monks study and live. And meditation, sitting in meditation is a piece of it, but actually a huge piece of it is in all the other doing, bringing mindfulness into the other doing, like cleaning the monastery, doing all the chores that it takes, you know, for day-to-day life into mindful eating, (laughs) mindful, you know, walking and just incorporating mindfulness Mm -hmm. into all of the doing. It's not just the being. So that was really just, I loved hearing your perspective and your mom's perspective because she is very wise. So I wanted to talk a little bit about health. Something that you are so good at that I admire so much is your social media Mm -hmm. presence and the value that you bring on social media. And that's a big part of entrepreneurship. However, we know from all of the research out there, the impact that sometimes social media can have on your mental health and your overall health. And I'm just curious, how do you take a more healthy approach to social media and how do you like continue to add value while caring for yourself at the same time? Mm-hmm. It is. Social media is a wild, wild world, especially as a small business owner, because it's like you feel this underlying current of like, I need to show up. I need to keep my engagement up. I need to, you know, stay present, whatever. But at the same time, eventually that wears you down. Like it's like showing up every day and 
even though I feel like I have the most bomb community, like just special humans that are for the most part uplifting. Of course, there's people that hate everything I do and what everything I say. But what I just try to remember, I have a lot of thoughts on this, actually. I will say if you get hate messages for me, I feel so okay with that. I'm like, if you don't know me personally, you do not get an opinion. If it was a friend that messaged me, if it was my spouse, a family member, someone that knows me and was like, mm-hmm. you know what, Kate, I don't feel like you're really, you know, I'm worried about you in this way. I'm all ears. If you do not know me, it truly rolls off my back. Like, I just think as small business owners, we need to remember who we give our power to, who we give our access to, who we give our energy to. If they don't know you, sis, they do not deserve it. I'm sorry. It just like, it's just not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. And they don't know you. They don't know your intentions, your motivations. And Mm. also you're not for everyone. Like not everyone is going to like what you're doing. Not everyone's going to resonate with the message. So I just really try to show up for the people who do resonate and who do like, I don't want to just say my business. I want to say me because I really try to show up as myself authentically. Like I really, I just, there's no other point to it for me. Like if I'm not showing up as myself, (laughs) what is the point? What is the point of creating connection and, you know, taking all the time on the app? Like if I'm going to show up, I'm going to be myself and that's not for everyone. And that is totally fine. That is like, just make peace with the fact that, you know, that quote that's like, you could be the juiciest, ripest peach in the world. And there's still going to be people that hate peaches. Cool. You know, I'm a peach. Some people hate peaches. It's okay. And so that is the first thing I'll say, because people are ruthless with comments they share and DMs they send and hiding behind a screen. Wow. But if they don't know you, it doesn't matter. So that's one thing I'll say. The second thing I feel like I have really prioritized for a long time now, like honestly, five years is taking seasonal social media detoxes where I take at least a week off once a season. So winter, spring, summer, fall. And it's hilarious because when I say that, I'm like, oh, I schedule it in or this or that. And it's never like that. It's way more intuitive, but it just so happens to be once every three or four months that I'm like, I need a break. And it's like, I think we just need to listen to that dialogue of taking the time away from these apps. Like your business is not going to crumble if you take a long weekend off. You know, all your people aren't going to forget about you if you disappear for a week. And I just, to me, that felt very intuitive and just like, I need this for me. And when you like open those apps and you start to feel like you're resenting them and being like, oh, I have to do this today. I feel like it might be time for a little break. And whenever I come back, I'm like, okay, I'm inspired again. I'm invigorated again because there is so much good on social media. I have had so many aha moments and new ideas and connections like this, you know, like this interview, like it has brought so much to my life. But the moment I stop, I start forgetting that and just feel drained by it. Like, here we go again. It's time for a break, time for a reset, just returning to my own energy, not sharing on Instagram stories all day, not worrying about a caption, not worrying about XYZ, really being in my own energy. It is so grounding. It's very eye-opening when you realize how many times a day your thumb goes to where your app was. Like that always freaks me out. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it just takes a few days of being a bit uncomfy and then it's like, oh yeah, okay, 
this is who I am. I know who I am. And now I feel ready to show up again on the internet in that way. So that's kind of, I wish I was better on a day to day basis with social media. I do feel like I use it more than I would like, but I, I always feel like, Oh, I want to post that thing or I need to share that blog post or, you know, this funny thing happened. And so it does just end up taking time. But another thing I do, I think this will shock people. I don't have Instagram on my phone. (laughs) I literally have it on my iPad because who carries an iPad around? So like (laughs) I literally will like take photos and videos throughout the day and then I airdrop them to my iPad and upload them to my stories. And it just kind of creates like a barrier to entry. Like, you know, it's a lot easier to grab your phone, which is, you know, five inches big than a big old honk and iPad. So for me, it keeps me more present throughout the day because I don't even have Instagram on my phone. And then I just uploaded it. Like I just do everything on my iPad when I feel like I have the bandwidth to post. Wait, I have never heard of that. That's a really good idea. I feel like I've tried almost everything at this point with, you know, different ways to set boundaries. And I totally agree that it freaks me out. I feel addicted to it, you know, and it freaks me out. I try a million different things. And so that's a really interesting approach. Mm-hmm. So when you were speaking about how you went from being a nurse, kind of really doing the thing, going like hard with it and achieving what you thought you wanted, mm-hmm. it resonated so much because it's very similar to my story. I started in TV news, like did the thing, got in with a really good job really early in my career and realized that's not what I want. It's mm-hmm. not aligned aligned, so to speak, or just not what was motivating me wasn't authentic or true. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of went from that place and did this creative path to like piece together where you are now, the foundation blog. And I'm just curious, like what kind of inward journey were you on during that time to really get creative with your path or what advice would you have for someone, you know, trying to piece together a path that is really aligned with their hearts and their talents. And if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that makes total sense. So I just want to empathize because I know how draining it is to be like, oh my God, I got this job. I worked so hard. This is it. And then being like, oh my God, internally knowing like, this is not it. This is not it. This is not it. And it's, such a draining feeling, you know, you've invested time, money, energy, you know, connections getting to this spot. I think what I would say I did is just I did not ignore that soul whisper that was like, this is not right. This is not right. And I think one thing that can be really helpful, and I remember this moment, like it was, I had stepped back from the ICU And it was, I was listening to a podcast and it was saying like, to find your purpose in life. I'm like, I need purpose. I need direction. Like, help me. (laughs) But it was saying like, write a list of the things that like you could do, write a list of the things you do when you're procrastinating what you're supposed to be doing, I think is what it said. And I'm like, I'm writing in my journal. I'm listening to podcasts on gut health. I am, you know, creating nourishing meals. I'm exercising, I'm looking up health stuff. 
I meditate, I, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this is all like, so proactive health. Like it was like, everything I love to do. It just helped me be aware. What are you naturally drawn to? Like, what are the things you would do? What do you do? Even when you don't technically have time for them, like what are the things that just keep weaving their way into your life? I would say there's hints and clues in there about what your passion is. And for me, I just remember that moment of being like, it just connected so many dots. Like in undergrad, I was in the honors program and I did my research on using Hatha yoga as a form of osteoarthritis pain management in older female adults. Wow! And then I'm like, oh yeah, when I was at the Mayo Clinic, the research project I did was using aromatherapy to help with pain management. And it's like, duh, like all along I was looking for more natural, but still science-backed approaches to health. I just didn't realize it until I looked back. And so I think it's just about really being honest with yourself about what you're drawn to and understanding that there might not be a job that's exactly that. But if you can find pieces of that, so it's like each job I've taken since the ICU got me closer and closer and closer to a really aligned position. And so like after that, I stepped away to, um, you know, I literally worked as a podcast manager, you know, got like familiar with the like creative space. And then that showed me I really do want to be in health. So then I worked in an outpatient peds clinic. It was way less stressful than the ICU. I got to like be more proactive because I was talking to people before they came in. And then after that, I got a job as a wellness director at a college. And that was like, bing, 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 like I'm finally getting there. So I think sometimes as millennials, are we Gen Z, you know, I think we think there's like a unicorn job out there. And often we have to be okay that something is not the full package, maybe has 60% of what we like, or, you know, 70%. And then the next job can have 80% and keeping our eyes open. And then for me, my end goal is having a job that is 100% aligned with me that I do that I do full time. But for me, I haven't felt ready to make that jump until I did this. Okay, I'm going to do these stepping stones. I'm going to get experience. I really want to be financially secure, ready, solid. I want to go into my dream position that encompasses what I love with a clear mind, set goals, intention. And I'm not going to do it before that. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to push it because I know it will happen. I know it's going to happen for me. But I just want to like take each step as it comes. And so as the wellness director at a college and then this last job, I'm a full-time health coach. Like if you would have told me I could be a health coach working proactively with people, making pretty good money, great benefits, working from home. Like when I was in the ICU, I'm like, that's what I want to do. But it just took a few stepping stones to get there. And so I think my advice to someone who just feels lost in a job is Look at what you're innately drawn to. See if you really would want a career out of that or if you would just prefer it stay safe as a personal hobby because they're different. And then look for a job that fulfills some of what you like. It may not be everything right away, but once you take that first position that's a little bit more aligned, that leads to the next one and that leads to the next one. That is so powerful. So powerful. I was going to ask, 
next, like, you know, as a multi, I feel like you talk about this a lot, being multi-passionate and going after multiple things. And what I was going to ask next was just part of the dreaming big and living slow idea is just how do we not get overwhelmed by our dreams or just try to pour everything into them all at once. And it sounds like as corny as it sounds like trusting the process or just, you know, being patient. Is that kind of what comes to mind for you? Yeah, it's hilarious because I feel like in most areas of my life, I would not be described as patient. I wouldn't describe myself as patient. (laughs) My friends wouldn't describe me as patient. My husband would not describe me as patient. I'm a very fast-paced, go, go, go person. I have an idea. I take action. But the one area that I feel like I've been so patient with is my business. I've had this long-term vision for it. I started it like literally from the moment I started it, I'm like, I want to do this full time someday, but I want to do it in a way that is sustainable. I don't want flash in the pan success. And so for me, that was like building it and just being like, okay, this is, I feel aligned doing this. I love doing it. Like, it's like, I could work on the blog all day, every day, but it just kind of was like, serve, 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 like free information. This is what I'm about. This is what I like. This is who I am. And then slowly, you know, incorporating some offerings that again, feel aligned. But like, I still have big pieces. Like I want to do offer health coaching. I want to make courses. I have all these, I have a full idealist of like what I want to do, but it's in steps. And it's been at a pace that allowed me to get my doctorate. It allowed me to take these jobs that have given me really good experience and have paid really well while I'm building, you know, what I want to be a really sustainable long-term business. So it's like, could I technically be full-time in the foundation blog right now? I actually could, but I don't feel emotionally, logically ready for that yet. And I think just listening to my gut on knowing when the time is right and knowing that whenever it happens, it's meant to be. Because when I think of each of the jobs I've taken in the meantime, I've gained so much from them. Like I feel like in the small business world, it's so easy just to hate on the nine to five or hate on the corporate or hate on the position. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe every single job you've ever had has taught you something that will benefit you down the line. And like for me right now in my health coaching job, I'm getting so much experience. And to be just blunt, like I'm becoming a phenomenal health coach. And I wanted to do that before I ever offered one-on-one health coaching, because when I offer health coaching, I want to be excellent. I want people to have a good experience. And then I know that subset of my business will thrive because I put in the work, I put in the time and I was patient before I launched it. And so I feel like it's interesting because my brain with the business is quite impulsive and rushed of like, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I want to do this, I will do this. But my like approach to it has been playing the long game since the beginning. Like I've never taken, like, I don't take partnerships. I don't take anything that doesn't feel aligned. I only, only, only speak about things I personally use and love and buy in my own life. And I know every influencer says that, but it's like, I could have taken so many cheap one-off deals or promote this, promote that. I'm like, no, I would lose trust in my audience. I don't believe in that. It doesn't feel aligned. And for me, my long-term vision is to have a community of people that 
jive, get along. Like I said, people that resonate with you resonate with you. And just having that long-term approach of like building something slowly intentionally. And then when the offering finally is there, then they'll be ready for it. And that's kind of like how I've approached it. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't been tempted for the last like year to be like, Oh, I just want to go full time already. (laughs) But I know the value I've gotten in directing wellness at a college and working with the age population I want to work with and designing wellness programs and doing lunch webinars on healthy eating and mindfulness. Like that is going to be basically what I'm doing. It's just about waiting for the time that feels right for me. And I think in the small business world, there's so many approaches. It's rip the bandaid off, just go full-time straight away. It's, you know, doing right. a side hustle until it starts making money and quitting your full-time job. Only you know what's right for you. And for me, it's, you know, I think just listening to your gut on what you want to do in terms of going full-time in your business. But I think I just take a more unpopular approach where I'm like, I want to be rock solid, logistically, emotionally, like with a plan, financially, like I want my ducks in a row big time before I ever do that. And so for me, it's been a game of patience and waiting till life aligns until I got my doctorate, until I got my degree, until I was teaching in a university, like things that I knew I wanted to do before I like took the leap. I just wanted to make sure all those ducks were in a row before I went for it. So that was a long winded answer, but I do, I know there's people listening to this that are working full time and doing their side hustle and just utterly exhausted. And like, you feel like you're not doing either of them fully but there is purpose in your full-time job. You will use skills you're using from it and you'll know when it's right to go full-time in your side business. You will know and you just have to listen to your gut. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's going to bring so much value and resonate so much. It definitely resonated with me and just you hear a lot of, you just have to go for it, like do it before you're ready. But you know, as someone who's also exploring the idea of I've been practicing meditation and mindfulness for seven years now, and I've always known I wanted to do something with it, but mm-hmm. in actually doing one-on-one work, it's literally so weird how aligned our stories are. But, you know, waiting on one-on-one work, I feel sometimes that imposter syndrome that we hear so much about is mm-hmm. actually just a little bit of a knowledge gap or not being ready. Like, And mm-hmm. so I think it's really powerful using your intuition and being very intentional with your path. I love that. No, I'm so glad you said that though, because I do think until you're fully confident in what you're offering, that it will bring value. I think, I don't want to say waiting, but just being very confident in what you bring to the table. I saw a quote once that has always stuck with me and it's literally the basis of how I run the foundation blog, but it said, quality is the best business plan. That's all it said. And it's like, if you give good service, if you show up with like intention, if you deliver a quality product, service, whatever it may be, your business will do well because you are showing up and providing value and giving quality and play the long game. I mean, Mm. I totally, I love how aligned our stories are because yeah, it's like, I've had this passion baby for so long of like, oh, I know I can offer one-on-one work someday. I know I would do well in it. But it's just, I've been waiting till that time is right. And it sounds like you've had a super similar experience of just like, okay, 
Mindfulness is a passion, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And when the time comes, it's going to be magic. Yes. It's just very inspiring and motivating to hear that, you know, someone is well-versed in their field is still waiting it out too. So it's just lovely to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. One of my last questions I always kind of like to ask everyone, just when you think of dreaming big and living slow and what that means for your life, what would you say? How would you describe that life? Mm, This feels really relevant to me as I was talking about like 2021 was kind of burnout and 2022 is about like still having big goals, just being approaching them with a less rushed, more sustainable mindset. For me, dreaming big and living slow means defining my own version of success and being really crystal clear on what that is. Like, I do not want a huge successful company. I don't want a ton of employees. I literally want a job that allows me a flexible schedule to work a few days a week and to be at home with my family and have time for a long workout and time to go outside. And, you know, like to me, success is not a certain dollar amount or title or accolade. It's a life where every day I can wake up and be like, you know what? I have some hard work to do. I have responsibilities, but I feel aligned with the work I'm doing. I feel like I have the time and energy to rest and pursue my hobbies. And I don't need and I don't want to build a huge empire. You know, I feel like in the business space, I love learning about business growth and email funnels and, you know, like optimizing sales and all these things. I love that. And I want to do that to give me a life that's more flexible Mm. and where I can work less. So I think for me, dreaming big and living slow, like I said, is just defining what success looks like for me, not for, you know, my friends, my family, the outside world, what they perceive as successful, just really getting still and quiet and being like, what does it making it quote look like for me? And to me, that's a slow, beautiful life with intentional relationships and friends and health is like my number one and the flexibility and freedom and curiosity to be like very present to what my life is. I feel like that is what I try to create now, even in the in-between. And in some ways I feel like I've already arrived there. You know, I feel like I've already kind of reached my own definition of success, but it's because I'm showing up in a way that exemplifies how I want to feel. So, yes, I don't know. I think I just had free therapy in that answer. So (laughs) you can send me a copay. I was going to say, did you like actually get your hands on my journal before this? My dream journal? (laughs) Word for word, my definition of success. So good. So good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my God. I love, I love that you're a fellow Enneagram seven because I feel like for many of us, the end goal, the epitome of dreaming big and living slow is just time freedom. Yeah. Free. And I feel like no one gets that like a seven. So it's so fun to chat about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I feel like that is literally the name of the podcast is an explanation of my Enneagram type, like a good description mm-hmm. of who I am. Okay. So finally, yeah, I'm sure everyone's dying to know how they can work with you. How can they read the foundation blog? How can they consume your 
what you're creating and all of your information and yeah, what do you have out there? You're so sweet. So my Instagram is kate.eskuri, E-S-K-U-R-I, the foundation blog, thefoundationblog.com. And then also if you'd like to join the waitlist for when I do offer one-on-one health coaching, since we have been talking about that at length, this interview, I have a link that maybe Tia could put in the show notes for me. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I would just love to have you come hang out if you are someone that you know, just wants to approach health in a realistic and sustainable way. If you're a little crunchy, but still like the science, I would love to have you come hang out. Crunchy, but love science. That's good. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Kate. It has been such a pleasure. I can't wait for everyone to soak in all of your wisdom. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if these stories, if these tools, if these meditations are doing something for you, if you are enjoying them, they're resonating and they are bringing you peace, please help spread the word. Send it to a friend that you think might like it or share us on social media at Dream Big Live Slow or at Ray, or hop in my DMs. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of, but just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening and for being here and for doing this work alongside me. I'd love your help in reaching more humans like us who are working to both dream big and live slow. So thank you in advance. Love you very much. All of my love to you. Have the best day. Mwah.